0: back to another Cardinals Off Day podcast. This is the part of the show where I usually tell you that I'm Ben Godar here, as always, with my good friend Ben Humphrey. And that is true, but today we are very lucky to uh, also be joined by our good friend Kyle Reese. You know Kyle from Prospects After Dark, uh, Birds on the Black, and uh, Giffing, um, I think, uh, really uh, the majority of all of minor league baseball at this point. Kyle, have you gotten any cease and desist orders? Are you keeping people from subscribing to the minor league baseball streaming services yet? Or uh, how is how's it going just in general? I cannot believe I haven't.
1: I thought for sure once they started um, <laughs> roping, uh, you know, putting everything together, MILB TV with MLB TV, I thought for sure they'd shut me down, but I haven't gotten anything yet.
0: Well, you you add such tremendous value to us as Cardinals fans. I know we all really enjoy all your content, and we uh, are always so grateful to have you uh, join us here uh, on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you. I love being on the podcast. I love
0: listening to the podcast. Uh, You guys do a great job. It's an honor. Well, thank you so much. Well, Kyle, um, you know, the the first question I think that I wanted to ask, uh, I feel like I complain a lot on our podcast about the the Cardinals minor league, uh, and really just entire organizations, uh, pitching, uh, from, from drafting to development. And I just have this sense that it's, it's all just a little bit broken and doesn't feel like it has a lot of direction to me, at least not the kind of direction that I see throughout the rest of their system. Um, that said, you know, I'm just kind of a guy that's more watching from the major league level for, for the most part and kind of deducing. Um, you're much more on the ground and actually talking to some of these people. You know, is that your sense or or how do you feel about what what is going on at the minor league level?
1: I I'm in a weird spot because I don't really know if I have a feeling about any of it. I I've been frustrated with the way it's all gone down, you know, when the Cardinals drafted Michael McGreevy, I was I was a little bit aggressive about not liking the pick on day one. You know, I think that there's a lot of questions. uh, All of the questions that people ask about the Cardinals and their minor league system when it comes to pitching and how they're drafting and how they're developing, I think they're all warranted. I, I really do. And until we start to see some of these kids make a major league impact, other than out of the bullpen, other than starters out of the bullpen, you know, minor league starters who find their way into the bullpen. I think that all the questions need to continue to be asked. I think that what we're dealing with now is kind of fascinating. And we talked about it a little bit on on the Viva Alberto podcast with Jason Hill and those guys. It it seems like this is the first time where since COVID, since the lost 2020 minor league season, where you're starting to see pitchers actually be at the levels they are supposed to be at. And in a lot of ways that what ends up happening is you have some pitchers that are older than the level that they're pitching at. You know, I think about uh, like Austin love, for instance, who's on the IL now for high a Peoria, but he was a, he was a 2021 draft pick. He started last year in Peoria, Peoria spent all year in Peoria. And then he started this year at Peoria as well. And it just feels like a lot of these pitchers are having more success than they have in the past. and, it it just, they're finally at like the appropriate level for where they're supposed to be at as compared to, you know, where it was a year ago or even the year following uh, COVID. Now, I do think that they're doing some interesting things. One of the things I've been complimentary about, they've been aggressive, maybe not aggressive, that's not the right way, but they've done some interesting things, drafting relief pitchers who throw with some funk and who have measurable breaking pitches. And that's paid off to a degree, but there's still some, you know, uh, ironing out some of the the rougher spots there. And I, I think that they've they've gone out of their way to identify uh, secondary pitches. And this is under Randy Flores, but they've gone out of their way to identify secondary pitches that they think are majorly capable. That dates back to Zach Thompson and, you know, his going back and forth between his curve and his slider, because his slider used to be a really good pitch, but now he's all curve. You know, it goes back to even pitchers who didn't work out, like Griffin Roberts, who had uh, one of the best breaking pitches in in his draft class. And you're starting to see that Pete Hanson uh, has a really good breaking pitch. Uh, Bryson Mounts, the Cardinals' uh, second-round pick, has a really great slider. And Cooper Jerpy has an amazing slider and a really great changeup that he's just using kind of weird right now. So uh, this very long-winded uh, uh, answer is to just say that I do think everything, all of your questions that I hear you say, you know, when you talk about it, I think they're all warranted. And I think that they've made some good adjustments. I think that some of the adjustments that they've made haven't paid off, whether it be because of injury or command. Uh, And I I don't think that they've done the best job of getting the most out of their starting pitch, especially their starting pitchers at the minor league level. It doesn't seem like they have a plan. And when I talk to some players, it seems like most of the gains that they make are, outside of the organization working on their own now uh, another misconception about the cardinals is they do have a ton of data they do have a ton of technology that they use they don't have like a quote-unquote pitching lab but down in down in um palm beach they do have all of the uh, all of the technologies that most other teams have and i think that maybe they're just not as hands-on with forcing their players or or teaching or training their players to abide by rules. And instead giving them maybe a little bit more free reign to, uh, to be what they want to be. Uh, uh, One more thing. I I think, I think what the Cardinals do is they know what pitchers they're going after. I think it's a little overblown that they do, uh, you know, and I guess a little overblown, but like the stats bear it out. They they're heavy sinker, right? We know that it's put a lot of these guys. It's about putting the ball on the ground and that, that, is starting to backfire with the change in the shift and they're, they're doing that. But I, I think that what they're trying to do instead of getting their pitchers to modernize uh, their minor league pitchers to modernize into modern baseball, I think that they're just trying to get the most out of what those pitchers do well. And I think that that's for better or worse.
0: Yeah. And, and actually just to quickly kind of follow up on that, cause I had just one other question that, um, you know, kind of related to that, because uh, I think the other thing that Ben and I just constantly come back to is how aggressively the Cardinals, in starting pitching anyway, seem to not want pitchers who strike people out, <laughs> you yeah. know, basically, when everybody else goes that way. And, and I just, you know, even was kind of looking through the the numbers, um, you know, even just in this short part of the season so far at the guys they, they have at the minor league level. And um, uh, you know at, at the AAA level, you know Libertor is very high, you know strikeout rate, but he's also in his third trip through there, so I kind of take that with a grain of salt. But I saw you know uh, Grisepo's got a 23% strikeout rate, which is which is good, but it's still kind of about league average. You know Connor Thomas is is in the bottom third there. You know you go down to AA, and I know McGreevy just moved, but you know he, you know, and, and Connor Lunn, and you know they're they're all kind of in the bottom half, and just really throughout every level, even the kind of you know. I guess the better prospects they have, they just tend to not be strikeout guys. So, I mean, aside from, you know, hence, who I think is kind of the real exception, who do you see in this system who you think has the potential to, you know, be a major league starting pitcher who also has an above average strikeout rate? Do you see anybody with that profile? so I, I think that I think that was some of the guys that I might
1: say, I think that we're still too far away to find out. Like, you sure. know, it really, and I know, I know it hasn't projected out yet, but Cooper Jerpy is going to, his strikeout rate is going to climb. He He's it's going to climb. So he and hence become the first two, you know, Bryson Mout's uh third round pick lefty, his slider and his fastball combo are going to be tough on the lower level pitchers, uh, the low, lower level hitters. Now, how long will that last? That slider is good enough to to maintain him throughout every level of the minor leagues. It's just a matter of if the fastball will come along and how his changeup continues to develop. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that really when you're talking about potential high end start uh, strikeout stuff, I think that's from a starting pitching standpoint, mm-hmm. I think that's really where the buck ends. Like I love yeah. Max Rachick, who is a, a six run pick that the Cardinals drafted who is, dominating command wise. And also, uh, I mean, at really every way at Palm beach, he's been really great, but I don't, I think he's more along the lines of the other pitchers that you're talking about. Uh, I I think that, I think that what the Cardinals do, and I'm sure we've talked about it before. I think that they try very hard to find that market efficiency. I think that they're driven by the market efficiency and oftentimes when even from a scouting standpoint, when you're drafting in the back half or back third of a draft, your best bet after the first round is to find your market efficiency, and I think that they've narrowed that down, and that, that's why they keep doing this. But you know, to answer your question, instead of the reasoning behind it, I I really I, my concerns are the same as yours. I, I hate the fact that they don't really have that. Now, I do think I do think Gordon grosseffo still has the ability to to get there. I think that his his Four seam fastball still needs a little tinkering and a little bit of work, but his last two starts, he's been more along the lines of what we saw as a high strikeout, not high mm-hmm. strikeout, but the more common strikeout starter that we saw yeah. at the lower levels last year before the double a promotion. And at the end of his time at double a last year, because for the last month of the season, he was, he was back to being lights out. So I, I still think that that's there. Uh, it'll never be there with, with, uh, uh Michael McGreevy. And, uh, that is something if you guys want to get into, we can get into too. But, um, So, yeah, I I think you're, I think you're right. I think it's a huge concern. I don't think there's any other than a couple handful, maybe a handful of guys on a starting perspective. I don't think that there's any of
0: that in sight either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ben, what, what do you got? Well, I,
2: um, have, I was very curious about the McGreevy pick when it was made, um, Maybe even skeptical is a good adjective for it. Um, and so when, when I look at him, I, I think the, the common knowledge, just for our listeners, just to summarize what I think the common knowledge about what the Cardinals do well is, that they take these more polished college arms, that they can tweak their mechanics to generate a tick or two or three of velocity and then use them in the majors pretty quickly right like uh you know lance lynn i i still remember i jokingly refer to it as the summer of lance lynn where he started throwing like mid-90s and striking guys out and everyone was like what just happened you know (laughs) because he was like a, a college pitcher with polish who didn't strike a lot of guys out and then he like made this leap and then michael walker just like leapt into the majors and i feel like those two guys have kind of created a halo effect with respect to the system and i think a lot of folks kind of saw the thompson pick who he's a very skilled reliever especially now that he's narrowed down his his pitches to more fastball curveball uh you know not exclusively but you know that's the the balance of it, but then also McGreevy, and so, you know, I'm interested. He had a he had a pretty good start to the season in AAA, and that caused them to bump him up, or excuse me, in AA, and caused them to bump him up to AAA. And so, you know, I was just kind of wondering how you feel about where he is because, you know. Ben and I live in a triple A town. So we kind of know when guys arrive here, that doesn't mean they're one step away from the majors necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, McGreevy just came up to triple A. And so where, where do you, how do you look at his overall trajectory as a prospect since he was drafted? And where do you think he goes from here?
1: I think he's on that exact track that you brought up for the Cardinals. I think that that's Honestly Ben I think that you frame that uh, as well as I could possibly answer it because that that is the track he's on he's on an aggressive track polished polished collegiate pitcher with polished mechanics who throws with a little bit of deception and late movement because you know his 92 mile an hour sinker has decent movement but the, what is really impressive is how late it breaks and his slider plays really well the late break on a slider plays really well with the late break on the sinker So he, and, you know, at 92 miles an hour, I guess for me, when I watch him, I think, all right, this is a guy who is doing a really great job of just being polished and getting away with it. So in a lot of ways, when I watch him and, you know, I'm not big on comparisons, but he seems like, and he's been so good this year between Double A and even his start tonight, you know, he let up a monster two run home run and a couple... Uh, little rinky-dink singles uh, through six innings, at three three earned runs. I think he struck out four. But when I watch him, I think, all right, this is the same thing. And now the same thing that Luke Weaver got away with. And this is the same thing that uh, Jake Woodford got, a lot, uh, got away with. And I, I think he's some combination right now without a huge change – to his sinker movement without a huge change or uh, development of a curveball that he can use against righties or another pitch that he can use against righties other than the fastball and slider. Cause he uses his curve mostly against lefties. Uh, I think that, I think that whatever success he has is going to be command driven. And as we found out at the major league level, that only gets you so far. So I think, I think that there needs to be continued development with velocity. Um, but he's, He's right where they want him to be and right where they need him to be. And they're in such a delicate situation that they're not gonna to hesitate to be aggressive with him if they think that it's time to be aggressive with him. So I think I think he's been impressive, but I don't think that the stats necessarily bear out what what he's capable of at the major league level right now. I, I just you know, there was a lot of weak contact tonight against Durham, and Durham's a pretty good team, and I was surprised by that. But I really do think that that's based mostly on the late movement. And uh, some of the deception he throws with because he has such a quick arm. And I, I don't know if it's going to last. And if it, it might last right. at the minor league level, you know, for, for a really long time. Dakota Hudson, before he made his major league debut, lasted at the at the minor league level. Um, so I just, I don't think, I don't think he's a major league starting option now. I don't think he's going to be a major league starting option this year. I think he might make a start or two at the major leagues. But so did Matthew Libertor before he was ready and before he had, tinkered with his fastball and sinker. And before he had consistent velocity in the mid nineties with this fastball. Cause I think, I think that like, that's where Michael McGreevy is. He, I think, I just think that that's where he is.
0: You know, Kyle, what I think is interesting is, you know, you said the the stats don't necessarily bear that out. And what you're, you're saying there is, is really the stats make him look better than he actually is at the yeah. triple at the, A level. And it's so funny because I know exactly what you mean watching a lot of you know minor league games that it actually reminds me of seeing a Hunter Green pitch a few years ago mm-hmm. when he was still at Triple A, and I remember you know he uh, in in uh, the 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 game that I saw him pitch, you know he he only made it like maybe four and a third innings because uh, you know he's still just his command was not real solid, and so uh, you know the the you know the other team kind of basically figured out okay. His his command is shaky enough. We can lay off of this and get on base and et cetera, et cetera. So ultimately, they got guys on base and they got some runs across. So if you looked at the line for that game, you'd say, well, geez, that guy didn't pitch really well. But if you were sitting there and watching that game, you were like, uh, OK, that guy is the, the, the one like bona fide Major League Baseball player in this stadium and he's going to make a hundred million dollars someday, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so it's, anyway, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, okay. and I, I, agree with you and, you know, that's not really to diminish what, uh, what M- McGreevy can do. I, I think that he has the potential. I, th- I think it's there. Uh, I just, there's something that isn't clicking right now. Like when, when you, and he, it's tough because he does let up a lot of, especially tonight, like there was a lot of light contact, and I think it goes to show you how valuable if you're if you can command a sinker low in the zone and you can yeah. roll a slider off of it, just how much you can actually get away with. You know, that that's if if Dakota Hudson could command his stuff, he'd probably be fine. Like he wouldn't you wouldn't want him in the rotation uh, other than as like a good rotations fist starter or something like that. Yeah. But he'd be fine. And I think that that's really what it boils down to with McGreevy right now, especially with a 92 mile an hour fastball, uh, a sinker that, you know, if he doesn't keep low in the zone is probably going to get banged pretty hard. Like we saw in the sixth inning tonight.
0: Yeah. All right. So Kyle, um, you've done the, uh, the dirty 30, the dirty 50, the dirty flirty. Uh, How many prospects deep would you have to go to get to Taylor Motter?
1: (laughs) Well, you guys will be well enough know, now to know that there's no way in hell I'd ever write about Tyler Motter. <laughs> I don't even respect him enough to call him Taylor. Uh,
0: yeah, but I'm you know sorry. I...
1: <laughs> no,
0: I was going to say he hits the ball hard, so thank God for him. That's true. That's true. He does. He does. And you know what? Good on him for staying, sticking with it and yeah. getting his shot. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um. Anyway, I, I, you know, I, I, no question there. I just, I'm sorry. I just wanted to take a shot at, to uh, take a shot at Mr. Moder. So, yeah, and, you know, um,
1: so I wonder, and I've been trying to find the most ridiculous reasons why the Cardinals season hasn't gone to plan. And this, this whole time, since the, the spring training, I've been under the impression that Tyler Motter will give us one good hit. Uh, it'll be a game winning hit, probably like a three run home run. And yeah. that hasn't happened yet. So uh, in order for the Cardinals to get the season right, they're going to need Taylor Tyler Moner to uh, to have that one magic moment, and that's when the season will get back online.
0: Well, yeah, and and after this most recent kind of inexplicable call back up, seems like this might be the time, e- even more likely the time for it to happen, right? Because it would make even less sense now than uh, yeah. after opening day. So.
1: He needs to go on a run of playing second base for six straight games. Uh, so that way, you know, Edmund doesn't play. Donovan doesn't play. Gorman doesn't play. It's just Paul DeYoung and Taylor Motter manning uh shortstop and second base uh, with, with, you know, uh, who else is on there? Like Andrew Kisner is the DH.
0: <laughs> well, you know, they say they want to shake things up, right? So yes. um, I suppose, I suppose that would do it. So uh, Ben, do you have a question to get us back on, uh, on some semblance of track?
2: Um, I do. Uh, I think <laughs> in spring training, uh, I think Mason Wynn turned a lot of heads, uh, cause he is a tool shed. And when you see a tool shed in HD, uh, augmented by Statcast, you know, I think it really opens eyes and, um, you know, I think even Marmol. Uh, Moselec, even some of the more hardened, experienced media types. I think they were all, they looked at Mason Wynn and they're like, that guy's a future major leaguer and he could be really good. Uh, And then he didn't make the roster. I don't think he was ever going to make the roster. And he started the season in AAA after ending last season in AA. Uh, And his first month in AAA has reminded me a lot of his first month uh, in high A ball way back when, a couple years ago. Uh, It really hasn't gone to plan, at least when you look at the stat lines. Uh, When you're watching Memphis, uh, what's your impression of Mason Wynn uh, at the AAA
1: level? Well, he's been, I think for me, because I knew he'd struggle at AAA, I, I I didn't know. I thought he might struggle at AAA. Um, but for me, like I've been trying to keep as close of an eye on his defense as possible, because I think that's probably the most important thing in all of this. And his defense has stayed status quo, which I I think is super important. Uh, he, he's probably only made himself look bad once. And, uh, I, I think that's, I think that that's maybe more important than all the other statistics, statistics that we'll look at or evaluate or while we evaluate his prowess at the plate. I, I think that what I am seeing at the plate is, there there's an aggressive side in his, in his approach, but it's not like the same kind of aggressive that you would necessarily associate with aggressive hitters. He's been pretty, pretty quiet early in a, in a bat. So maybe the first pitch or two, you can tell that a lot of times he's just seeing the pitch and then, then he'll kind of jump on something or try to jump on something or jump out in front of something. And if he makes contact with it, it's usually hit pretty hard, but it's not like, it's not a scorcher. It's usually in like that 90 to 95 range. Uh, he might get it up to a hundred, but it doesn't, it's right at somebody. And then what ends up happening if he swings and misses is he gets himself into a bad position in a pitcher's count and he can't really work out of it. So I thought it was fascinating so far. These At least I didn't go back and watch uh Tuesday's day game, but at least tonight he's more aggressive a little earlier in the counts. And I, like his walk rate for the like the last two weeks has been like 1% or something like that. So I definitely want to see him be uh, have, take a little bit better at bats. But I think he's adjusting to how he's being pitched. And I think that that's important. And I, I feel like over the last two weeks in particular, we're starting to see him hit the ball a little bit harder with a little bit more loft as opposed to the ball on the ground. A, a lot of line drives over infielders heads and down in front of the outfielders. And like tonight, he was, he had three hits. Um, He was robbed of a fourth hit by a leaping Vidal Brujan from Durham. And I think, I think he's just starting to put it together. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of times coming out of spring training, the AAA, AAA baseball might be like the most polished baseball. I think Major League Baseball can be kind of sloppy, but like AAA always ends up being where like the guys who, the, journeymen who just missed a major league chance are, and they can still taste that chance. And and I feel like the sharpest baseball I see for the first couple of weeks of the season is at AAA. Um, And and I think that it was a tough transition to go to that, to go to Memphis, uh, where honestly, I think the AAA level of baseball was better than the spring training level of baseball, even at the end of spring training, and uh, to produce. And I, I think the league kind of took him by storm. I think that he kind of had a target on his back in that lineup and now he's adjusted a little bit and he just needs to continue to adjust. And I think that he's been more impressive, uh, as the days have passed, even if maybe the stats haven't, haven't shown that.
0: All right. Well, uh, Ben asked about Mason, Wynn, who was a uh, number three on your, uh, preseason list, uh, Jordan Walker, of course, number one, uh, and you had Cooper Jerpy at number two. So you're you're very very high on Cooper Jerpy, which is exciting for me because I you know certainly put a lot of stock in your evaluation of these guys, um, and and I've read uh, and heard you talk a lot about Jerpy. I'm very excited about him too, um, but I want you to talk me off the ledge, Kyle, because yeah. his fastball velocity concerns me, and I'm just I'm worried about you know, can he really have the the high level of success at the major league level with uh, w- with that fastball velocity? Why, like, why why is it that his stuff will still work with that, you know, really pretty low, low velocity? I'll tell you my frustration is
1: that he has more in the tank. And, you know, he'll, he'll let up a home run and all of a sudden he's back to, he's throwing like 93. And it's like, it's like he has to get that fire ignited in order to get to it. But uh you know I, I for me for me it's the movement profile of the fastball it's the release point of the fastball you know if he's throwing the ball 90 91 92 yeah. uh, you know sometimes it dips down to the 88 89 it looks more like Connor Thomas's fastball than yeah. anything else uh, which is which is definitely a concern.
0: Yeah. What
1: what always separated him and kind of what Connor Thomas what's hurt Connor Thomas is there was a time when Connor Thomas could do whatever he wanted with both his fastball and his sinker. He could put it wherever he wanted and he struggled to find the mechanics or whatever necessary to to put the ball wherever he wants it. And when I watched Jerpy at Oregon State last year, he was hitting the glove every time. He was putting the ball wherever he wanted it with the fastball. And that arm angle and the movement profile on it uh, was super, super impressive. Now, the other thing he did at Oregon State that the Cardinals didn't do until his last start was he he loves pitching inside. I don't know if he loves it, but he's really good at pitching inside to right-handed Batters, and in Peoria, he was not doing that. Those first couple starts, he was not doing that. He was leaving. He was working almost exclusively outside. He might go inside, like honestly, like maybe eight to twelve times in a start uh, on a righty. And he was seeing a lot of righties because of how devastating that motion is against lefties. Sorry, that's a that's a Paul Goldschmidt home run family. Uh, Cardinals are up one to nothing (laughs) on the top of the first here on Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yeah, we're we're recording
0: this several days ahead of time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry, but uh, so I think I think what we saw in his last start over the weekend. uh, he was, he was dominant. Now he let up two home runs and I know it's tough to say dominant, uh, and letting up three runs, but he was full on dominant, even with that 90 mile an hour fastball, because he was going up and down and in and in and in and out on righties. And it made a huge difference. It sets up everything, but even at the the high a level, if you live outside, eventually some stuff's going to creep to the middle of the plate. And that's what was happening for him. And that he was getting banged around a little bit because of that. So, uh, I, I share the same, maybe not the same worry, but yeah. I think as long as he's using the pitch in all quadrants of the plate, it's it's going to be an effective pitch. Now he's going just like just like with Michael McGreevy, just like with Matthew Libertor, he's going to need some increase in stability and velocity to be a huge a high K starter. You know, yeah. I, I think he can be, and that's my my thing with him is. Even at 90 miles an hour, I thought he could be a serviceable major league starter. You know, like, again, uh, Dr. Thunder himself, like something like that. Uh, But uh, um, I, I just, I think that there's so much more in there. And his stuff is so good. And his command is so good. And he's so fiery and such a bulldog. And he's aggressive in the zone. And it, it all seen and he has three really good pitches and he's still not throwing his change up enough, which is another fascinating thing so far to me, but are we really even a slider? He's using his fastball a lot. Um, but yeah, so that that's why, like, that's why I, I, I think that he can, even with a 90 mile an hour fastball, I think he can be a serviceable major league starter. And I believe that he will continue to gain velocity as he understands the importance of velocity, because he's never he's never needed velocity to be good, and he almost still yeah. doesn't even need velocity now. So I, I think that it's going to be a growth thing for him, maybe a little bit more than I anticipated. But mm-hmm. i I think that uh, I think it's just a really, really good pitch. That as long as he's using it all over the place, it's going to be fine.
0: Well, and serviceable is good enough to be number one in the Cardinals rotation. <laughs> so <laughs> he's got that going for him. So no, and I hear, and, I, and I'm not like a velocity fetishist, you know, but, um, and, and so if you tell me like 93 with a good movement profile, I'm like, okay. But when I hear 90, I'm like, ugh, that's the, you know what I mean? Like there, that yeah. comes to a point where I'm just like, boy, I don't know how much I, I worry about that playing. So, um, that's just the, 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 my, my worry there, but I'm. Uh, definitely hopeful and and yeah it'd be great to see him you know maybe add add a few ticks especially if you're saying that you know he you have seen him gas it up and 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 you know get there that's uh yeah. encouraging i think so and he
1: you know i think i think the everybody shares those concerns you know i share those concerns i think i think most fans like even with adam wainwright you know adam wainwright had his rehab start and he's throwing 87 and everybody's oh, in my mentions. oh i have
0: big concerns about that yeah
1: <laughs> well, I, well i do too you know especially as a Anthony DiScalvani just threw an 87 mile an hour slider that struck out Nolan Arenado here. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, well, that's uh, Adam Wainwright throwing a fastball that fast, and it's pretty right. straight. But uh, <laughs> it, you know, it was it, last night. Oh, I guess it's all just to say that, like, yes, I'm definitely worried about it. Uh,
0: but hopefully, hopefully, there's more in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like Adam Wainwright throwing pitches at the speed that like I faced in high school and got hits yes. off of. Like that's like not, not what I want to see. So yeah. not many, not many hits, by the way, guys. I was not good. Um <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ben, what do you got? Um so last year, uh Kyle uh which by the way, listening to the latest episode of Scene Red, uh Bernie Miklas stated just kind of uh, as like a casual fact that Yadier Molina last year decided that he no longer wanted to play and that Pujols and Wainwright talked him in to playing last season, Uh, which astounded me because I don't think I've seen that anywhere. And then it was just, he just said it like, you know, halfway through the podcast Um, and fat Yadi. Uh, is kind of the backdrop for this question because when uh, Molina got hurt, they initially went to Yvonne Herrera uh, for, you know, a little bit. And then uh, immediately were just like, no, and sent him back down to AAA. Uh, They call, they sign that jobber whose name I've already forgotten and uh, (laughs) used him as the second catcher and uh Herrera is off to a pretty good start Austin
1: Romine
2: Romine, that's his name uh you know I I think I might have been confused with all the media coverage of the January sixth prosecutions I think he might have his face just blends in I can't even picture it anymore um so uh So Herrera in AAA this year, uh, you know, off to a pretty good start with the bat, had a pretty good season, I thought, last year with the bat. Um, But it really seemed to me that his almost immediate demotion was more to do with handling the pitching staff and defense than anything. And so I was kind of wondering, you know, with the signing of Wilson Contreras, you know, what? what is Herrera's future with the Cardinals? Uh, is, is he going to be like a backup? Uh, do you ever foresee that? Or does he become a primary uh, catcher in the field with Contreras taking on more of a DH role potentially? Uh, how do you view Herrera as we sit here today in the wake of the Wilson-Contreras signing?
1: I think there's still a chance for all of that. You know, I, I, we see these timelines and, and it makes it really hard to I'm, I'm projecting for me. I see these timelines and I I think it's really hard sometimes for me personally to be abstract about ideas and uh, functionality and also about uh, the practical use of, of players in baseball. And I still think all of those options are on the table for Havon Herrera. I, You know, I, I don't know what... The, I don't fully know. I've heard some things, but like I don't fully know what that was last year. It was weird. My guess is that he thought it was pretty weird the way that he was handled. Uh, my guess would be that the season didn't go the way that he thought it was going to go for him. But I also think that Avon Herrera is still you know a month younger than Nolan Gorman. And I... That's I only say that for context because that still puts him on kind of a trajectory that, like, under most circumstances where he would probably be making his Major League debut this season. You know, maybe at the end of last year, but this season. So I I think that all of these things could happen. I think that he could still end up developing whatever the Cardinals wanted him to develop. To And be the backup to um, Wilson Contreras in the coming years. I think that there's a part of of his development, there's a future for him, where he eventually takes over the full-time duties from Wilson Contreras, who is mostly a DH. And is still, uh, you know, he's 22 right now, a 28-year-old, air presumptive to uh to Wilson Contreras when Wilson Contreras contract ends or, or you know 28 29 like I think that all of these options are still there it, it's just a matter of how I guess the Cardinals view whatever they asked him to work on and how he's working on that I I I, I know that catchers get hurt I know that that is a demanding position uh we've already seen some heroic some yacht. I mean honestly I, I mean it jokingly, but some Yachty heroics out of Wilson Contreras to battle through a 102 mile an hour uh, pitch, you know, to a body part, be out a couple days, and then back in there, you know, just like Yachty has. So uh, I think, I think all of these things are possible Uh, just as much as it is still, he could get traded and moved on. He could see Tres Barrera take uh, reps from him at the major league level. He could see Pedro Pajes uh, take reps from him at the major league level. But I just I don't think we're there yet uh, to to be able to really say what the future is from him. I, I think all of those things are possible, and I still think there's a high end uh, all star caliber um, catcher in there that's just really hard to get to because developing as a catcher is really hard.
0: Yeah. I, I, is, that, is that
1: too broad? I mean, if it, if it is, I can probably ramble on and be even more.
2: Broad. <laughs> no, I, d- I didn't think it was too broad at all. I just, it's it, the age point is something that I think is a very good one because I think folks uh, oftentimes lose track of that. And, and also, I mean, i when i was looking at it i was like you know it's it's not at the time of the signing i was like it's not hard to see a world where herrera is the backup like next year and then in you know 3 years he's the primary in the field catcher right like uh, it's not hard to imagine that and as as you point out and we experienced this with the later years of yadi that catcher is a very physically demanding position and the more my uh what was it uh it's indiana jones it's not the years honey it's the mileage and (laughs) and you know and the way that they just get beat up in all of these small and major ways uh you know herrera probably will have an opportunity sooner than we think uh, to make an impression at the major league level.
0: Yeah, well, and I, you know, I feel like just in general, the the kind of the fan base, their their clock for every prospect starts ticking, sort of the moment they become aware of them, which is yeah. like that moment that they're like knocking on the door of joining the major league team but with no framework for where is that person developmentally? So is that uh, like a someone who is, you know, acquired as a like 17 year old international prospect and they're like 19 at that moment, or is that someone who is a like a college senior who's, you know, 24 at that moment. And so, you know, uh, after maybe two or three years of kind of knocking at the door, fans just consistently get to be like, well, this guy's a bust. Well, you know, for the guy who was 24, when you first started hearing about him, you're, you're probably right. But for the guy who was like 19, you're, you're not at all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because they haven't even drafted that guy who was 24 yet. So, um, oh, exactly, yeah. Um, I, I, I've got, um, I, I got one last question for me and Ben. I know you've got at, at least one more, but, um, and this actually, this kind of comes from this was a question that we got from a listener, kind of related to the major league level. But I thought, Kyle, it'd be interesting to kind of throw this your way at the major league level. What is there another minor league team um, or system that you look at and you kind of, you know, maybe envy or admire what they do or how they go about their business and, and wish the Cardinals did it that way? And, and, and what is it that they're, that they're doing that you maybe don't see the Cardinals doing?
1: You know, the easy answer there is to go straight to the Indians and the Dodgers. These these uh, teams that have identified specific qualities out of pitchers that they draft and have gotten the most out of them even deeper in the draft. Like, I, I do envy that, uh, especially as the Cardinals are in the current state that they're in with starting pitching. It seems like, uh, you know, the Rays to a degree, but like the Indians in particular and the Dodgers just keep – producing pitching and there was a time when we would all complain about that with the Cardinals where they were it seemed like they were producing pitching I don't know if it was necessarily true um, but like that's it's so nice to have pitching because when you don't have pitching everything else is so frustrating Uh, but so yeah like that's it and I don't have an intimate enough knowledge of what the Indians and Dodgers and you know some of those other teams do to be able to say like they're focusing on this or this is what they do they pull them aside and they use weighted balls and whatever it is but like to me there's definitely something that seems off you know to your point earlier uh uh Ben that like there's something missing and maybe the modern the modernization of baseball that maybe the cardinals haven't fully adapted yet. And, and any organization that's doing that with the pitching, I envy. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that's, that's kind of just where my head is with that. I, I think, I think the Cardinals do incredibly well with hitting, um, you know, it, it's tough right now because it seems like there's a lot of underperforming uh, minor leaguers right now, but really they they kind of have a hole, a little bit of a hole or a hype hole in the organization from the hitting standpoint. Uh, but they they've gotten the most out of a lot of these players, um, you know, helping them to unlock their mechanics to become more complete hitters. And I I actually like the approach they take to developing hitters in, in the minor leagues. I the, I would like for them to identify maybe a little bit more power and uh, and make it real and actionable because I think like they've got guys like LJ Jones who have real power and like, that's the kind of guy I want to see them target as often as possible. Not like Brody Moore, a second baseman or Nathan church, (coughs) pardon me, an outfielder Uh, like the the contact guys. They've got plenty of those. You can do anything with those guys. Like I'd like to see them get a little bit more aggressive with like the Elijah Cabell outfield types who have raw power and to try to get the most out of them. So uh, that's 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 my answer. I just I would like for them to figure something out with pitching, so that we're not you know hoping that Michael McGreevy suddenly learns how to strike people out.
0: <laughs> uh, agreed, agreed.
2: Um, I I think I would be remiss. Uh, we are recording this uh, shortly after the Cardinals announced that they had they are demoting Jordan Walker uh, and bringing Taylor Motter back up. Um, and we've had to record this a little bit early just uh, due to our schedules uh, this week leading into the off day, Um, so there is still a little bit of time between when we're recording and and when this will become available for folks to listen to, but with that in mind, uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts of the Jordan Walker demotion?
1: I don't think there's any way to, it's all been handled so poorly. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. that's my bottom line even and again for me and I know that I have a little bit differ I, I my opinion differs from a lot of people but even bringing him north with a big club I think was a mistake now he, he was so good for that first week and you know you got a hit in 12 straight games or whatever but there were real concerns about his defense, which the Cardinals still haven't talked about as they sent him down, which is the worst part of his game. The the, the metrics say he's like the worst defensive outfielder in baseball. Um, but, you know, they're, they're talking about all the other stuff. Anyways, uh, like I think that they put they put him in a position by bringing him up to fail. And I understand, like, you guys, I, th- I loved your point last week, both of you. You know, you were talking about giving him an opportunity to fail and adjust the major leagues and how that would benefit him. You know, he's a major league player, adjust the major leagues. But for me, I think, I think it benefits him more to be in the minors. I just think it would have benefited him more to be in the minors to start the year, specifically because of the defensive deficiency. I, like, that's just where my mind is. I think, uh, you know... When you're that new to the position, you know he's 20 years old. He's super athletic. He's super f- fast in straight lines. He's got a really strong arm. I-, I just think, I think that you give him a second to catch his breath that direction, and also work on some of the things that we knew he was going to struggle with. Like you know, I was on, I've been on the radio telling people he was going to struggle with this stuff. I- I've been. I've been on podcasts telling people he was going to struggle with this stuff and to see him struggle once pitchers adapted to him once the league adapted to him like they would have he would have been able to have had a little bit of a breathing room in the minor leagues that he doesn't he doesn't have here that the Cardinals don't have here and they already have a cluster of outfielders that have varying degrees of success that worked on things this offseason to try to get better that have not had a chance to really get better you know like Tyler O'Neill's up right now uh, every every game, Tyler has two at-bats where he looks bad. And, I mean, looks awful. Doesn't look like a major leaguer. And two at-bats where you're like, all right, that's the MVP candidate. Uh, and Dylan Carlson can't, like you said last week, uh, cannot, hit, cannot hit righties to save his life. Uh, but he also worked really hard to try to hit righties. And you don't n- necessarily know if that's worked out. I still think he has a, m- a swing mechanical issue that he developed at the major leagues in 2020. Uh, because of the way 2020 went that no one is pointing out uh, because there's a hitch in his swing. Uh, But there's, there's still so many other issues that the Cardinals have that I don't think even, even on opening day, I don't think they had the luxury of having Jordan Walker there and letting him fail Uh, because failing at the major league level is tough. And it's easy for us to say things like, you know, like just give him at bats and let him see how he is. But like, even with Nolan Gorman, we did not see Nolan Gorman become the hitter he's capable of. And he still can't hit high fastballs. But uh, we have not seen Nolan Gorman become the hitter he was capable of until he had an offseason to adjust to it. So, for me, look, the whole handling of the outfield has been trash from day one. Uh, bringing up to the majors, he worked hard and he earned it. So, I don't I don't disparage the team for, for bringing him along. Like, I, I get it. I understand the aspect of wanting to sell tickets to and hype up people. People got really hyped for... For Jordan Walker and they should have and they hopefully this doesn't diminish the hype that comes with them. But I think that all this says is that and and I've done a poor job of of saying this as I've kind of been in and out of Twitter arguments, but like the Cardinals handled this poorly. You can even take the Taylor Motter out of it. it. This was handled about as poorly with as little foresight as humanly possible for an organization that is built on draft and develop that has made every decision based on draft and development that still can't seem to understand the value of drafting and developing Uh, instead of just sitting on a lot of talent and hoping that it all sorts itself out. And then in may having to adjust, uh, late, late April, May, June, having to adjust and hope for the best and then make trades at the deadline for mediocre pitchers that you hope to get the most out of. They keep, repeating the same mistakes over and over again, uh, specifically with their surplus value, whatever position that is at the minor league level uh, in the offseason, uh, with their inability to adjust to the marketplace and what they have and how it's valuable in the marketplace. Uh, so that, like that, that is my thought. It, I, have, I have nothing but criticism about the front office and how they handled it because any direction that they went, they weren't going to stick with and they didn't stick with and uh everybody's a little worse off for it but the good news is Jordan Walker will get a chance to work on some things that are very very important for major league success uh, at the minor league level
2: and it and it should be also pointed out that uh you know he's he's about an average major league hitter and they've stressed the ground ball thing which is something that I know I pay attention to you do a lot more damage in the air than you do on the ground as a major league hitter, because it's not like little league. I think we were when we were all younger and even in high school where you wanted to put the ball in play and make the defense make a play. Well, in the majors, the defense makes those plays at a much higher rate. So you need to hit the ball. Uh, in the air, where you can do more damage and and accrue extra bases, so I think you know that's a legitimate concern, and I can understand sending him down as you say, Kyle, to work on you know tweaking his swing so that he's hitting more balls in the air uh, and i when I was reading these quotes from marmal and uh in the media today about that part of his game, I was thinking of the quote. Uh, that Derek Gould got from Aaron judge about the advice that he gave Walker. And it was something along the lines of like, Hey, dudes who are our size, we don't have to chase exit velocity. When we swing, we generate exit velocity, you know? So for Walker, it's not, it's not like Newt bar. It's not like Dylan Carlson where they're trying to go rework his swing to generate power, Right, he has the power. Yeah. They're just trying to generate uh, launch angle more than power, and yeah. so it's a di- it's a different type of change. And it's it's probably for the best that he's he's going to have the opportunity to work on that in AAA. And as you pointed out, Kyle, I think I said an episode or two ago that, like, with his athleticism, it's it wasn't good early his routes to balls and his jumps. Um, but you feel like he's going to be able to play himself into a into a being a good outfielder, and that just hasn't been the case over this month i I don't think you can honestly say that he has improved much in the field. i think he looks just as bad uh this last week as he did in the first week and so um you know i can understand it on those levels, but when you When you read these quotes about the definition of insanity, I think Mosaic said, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, like Tyler O'Neill has an above average expected weight on base average. His his contact has been very good. Like this isn't Matt Carpenter, you know. at at the end, this is a guy who's hitting the ball hard and it's going to go like once it clicks, it's going to click, you know? And I just like, you read these things and it's, they make these decisions like with Burley where he has these great metrics. But then when we're talking about, it's like when people are talking about Tyler O'Neill, it's like, we're going to pretend that he doesn't have one of the better batted ball profiles in all of baseball, you know? Like, (laughs) Yeah, and and i'm just like there's no reason why he shouldn't be a comfortably above average better right now like other than some you know unfortunate luck and like to hear them talk about it though it's like well we have to move him out so we can do something different and it's just kind of like what about the talent on this roster today causes you to have a different opinion about playing jordan walker at the majors now than you did at the end of march like why were you placing a hidden camera in the manager's office in jupiter Ah. to tell him he made the majors a month ago what where's the hidden camera for when he told him that he was demoted you know like i mean I'm, i'm being intentionally a little mean about it but it's it's just like if you didn't If you, if there was the potential of getting here uh, before the end of April, then he, and I was okay with, you know, all of the stated reasons and everything, because I, and I should know better because I've written about this team for a long time and followed them. I probably should have had a bigger grain of salt with all their statements about he earned it. He has the skills. He deserves this opportunity. We're going to let him you know, we're going to give him enough leash to have this opportunity. And it's just like, well, clearly they they're, they didn't anticipate having the worst start in 50 years. And now Jordan Walker's being demoted because of it. and It just feels on the one hand kind of crummy, but on the other, you're like, it seems like maybe you were wrong to promote him at the beginning, which is the position that you take, Kyle. And I, I, you know, as we sit here today, I, I feel like that's a a pretty compelling argument.
0: Well, I'm going to disagree with you guys a little bit on this because I'm kind of like, what's, what's the big deal about him going down at this point, you know? And I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing that he was, he was up, you know? I mean, how many guys come up and, and stay up from the start, you know? Um, you know, I think about, you know, Mike Trout or any of these guys, you know, you know, it's it's a pretty common path. And, uh, you know, I think he actually had quite a bit of success, you know, kind of in his first, uh, you know, chunk of time up. Um, you know, I mean, he's at his his offensive production is, is, you know, he's going down with a league average offensive production. Um, you know, so, yes, the ground balls are too much. But honestly, he's showed that he's a major league hitter right now. You know, some things he could work on for sure. Um, I totally agree the defense is the thing that does need some work. And I think it's, you know, a completely reasonable decision they made to, to say, hey, you know, go down and spend some time working on the defense. But like, I mean, I I wouldn't think that he should be like emotionally crushed by the fact that, you know, he's going to go, you know, he's going to go down. I mean, you know, Gorman went up and down. Uh, you know, he seems to be doing okay this year. I mean, how many guys... Uh, you know, Pujols accepted, right? I mean, a few exceptions, uh, you know, it's a pretty common kind of path of things. I just feel like this is just, you know, this is just kind of the way it goes.
1: I, I, I agree with you. I like, I, for me, it's both of these things, you know, like, I guess when you're talking about hypotheticals or potential chances, like, I, I think he'll be all the better for his second time around for being in the majors the first time. Mm -hmm. I just think that a lot of the same, like a lot of the questions we have today are, you know, we would have a chance to actually have answered had he not been around to start. You know, I I think that the stability of the roster might be a little bit different had he not been around. And I also think, you know, I, I just can't imagine, I guess, again, projecting, I can't imagine being a 20 year old who's barely played a position, who's going to make a debut and and be a major leagues everyday player. Like I just would have liked for him. I think it would have done him well to just get a little bit more time. So for me, like I, I, I definitely ride both sides of this argument and, mm-hmm. and he did earn it to a degree. I just think, I think that what, what all of us are saying, but you know, both of you gentlemen and myself, I think really what we're saying in a roundabout way is that this is just another example of, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but another example of how the Cardinals misevaluated some of their own talent, uh, maybe not Jordan Walker, but the, the talent on the 26 man roster and anticipated more success than they were going to have uh, because of, of maybe their internal evaluations on both Walker and the rest of the roster, and how it backfired when maybe their, their bloated evaluations did not pay off.
0: You know, I, I don't necessarily think so just cause I think it was reasonable that they gave Walker a shot. And I think, you know, it's not like they played him every day for a month, you know, and he has a, you know, had like a, you know, 40 WRC plus and, you know, he was the reason that they lost all these games or anything, you know, he was fine. Um, you know, uh, reason enough to send him down, but, uh, you know, so, so I, I, you know, uh, I guess I don't necessarily see like that was an issue, and, and to be honest, I just feel like the offense is is fine overall. Um, yeah. I do think they've got a little bit of a crowded outfield situation, but I don't, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily pin that on the Cardinals either. I feel like when I look at guys like O'Neill and Carlson, I frank, frankly look at guys that they've given years of opportunity to, you know, seize, uh, you know, kind of regular playing time and. You know, they just kind of haven't for you know for a variety of reasons. For Carlson, I think he's just failed to produce in some pretty consistent ways. O'Neill's a little more complicated; it's had more to do with injury and things like that. But um, you know, and and so they've just they've kind of shifted a little bit. And you know, Newt Bar has really asserted himself, and I think uh, you know really stepped to the front of the pack as the most productive of the group. And then you know, Burlson this year is just really kind of shown us those sort of underlying skills that they said were there. So you had these two guys really kind of step ahead of O'Neill and Carlson. And, and like, to me, I look at it and I say like, yeah, I kind of agree. Uh Newbar Absolutely. And Burleson, I see the case for it. Now Burleson, you know, the defensive value is not there. So, you know, I think that's a little bit of an open question. But, um, you know, overall, I don't necessarily see the problem there because I see a fair amount of value in those outfielders. And the fact that they're still looking for the right kind of mix of those guys, honestly, to me, that's almost a strength of this team is that they've got a number of, uh, you know, outfielders who have some value. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's a good thing about this team. I don't know why people fixate on that as like, Geez, that's a problem. That's why they're off to a bad start. You know, the reason they're off to a bad start is their their pitching is absolute garbage. You know, that's 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 the issue. And I and I think
2: that's uh, uh, yes, the starting pitching is the problem. I guess my problem is that I think if I'm going to make a mistake, if I'm the front office, it's going to be starting Jordan Walker in AAA and having him hit you know 350 450 600 for the first month yeah. and mm-hmm. and and just blowing everyone out of water and being like oh yeah see he didn't need to be here right like my mistake isn't going to be in how i think the manager will be able to juggle playing time and in my assessments of the other major league outfielders who have been up in the majors for a handful of years and now it's April, we have the worst start in 50 years, it would be insanity to continue to start Jordan Walker and expect us to win, is essentially what John Mosellock said. Hmm. If that's insanity, what, how did we get to this point? And it, it just it seems to me that it's such a short amount of time after they made a big deal out of promoting him and starting him on the major league roster and bumping him to the front of the line in playing time that and I understand the manager's been whining more and more in the media about having to find playing time for outfielders like I get that but I also don't understand you know and I was I was a Dylan Carlson guy I liked his plate appearance I thought he was a good defender and, or plate approach excuse me and I thought he was a good defender and I thought he would uh you know that selectivity at the plate would allow him to become more of a of a power hitter uh, as his career progressed. and that's not been the case. And maybe it's the hitch in his swing, like Kyle pointed out. But at this point in time, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I understand why you need to get newt bar playing time. I can, I can understand why Tyler O'Neill needs playing time and Burleson, but I don't really understand why Carlson needs that much playing time. You know, it, it almost to me felt like maybe you should demote Dylan Carlson yeah. <laughs> and you know, let him. That
1: too, because Statistically, he's been the worst of them all. And also like, you know, Jordan Walker has been really bad for the last two weeks, a 31% K rate, WRC plus of like 46, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, but even then, like Dylan Carlson's been equally as bad, you know? Yeah. And it's
2: just kind of like, you know, Dylan Carlson, he had the injury and how much last year and how much that played in. I don't know, but if he can go get his feet underneath him again in the, in AAA, why not? And, and Walker, you know, I think everyone that is on this podcast right now recognized and uh, has made a point of saying, you know, they're going to be, slumps right like he's going to have to adjust and you know it feels to a degree where it's like they're taking him out of the majors without you know giving him the opportunity to make that adjustment at the major league level and you know maybe this is best for his long-term development i don't know but it just the whole thing feels like you know it's it's April 26th, and you're already pulling the plug on Jordan Walker. Not permanently, of course, but like it just feels like they didn't think through. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone thought they would have the worst start in 50 years, but they didn't think through hey, if we struggle out of the gate, you know, what do we do? And it's, right. I, I, and it just, I, I think looking at this now the Cardinals are traditionally conservative they traditionally stack depth to block prospects right and so to have them like say we're going with Jordan Walker and then to like a month later just be like oh nope change of plans it it feels very uh kind of like who's 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 driving this ship or who's driving this bus and uh, how do
0: I get off? <laughs> well, <laughs> like I, I, I think even, I, I mean, without even trying to parse what, what are they thinking about Jordan Walker? I mean, this happened concurrently with them promoting the, you know, 33 year old career minor league jobber that they just DFA'd two days before. So, yeah. I mean, like it, it just looks like there's no plan at all anywhere. Yeah, and that's the most A- concerning absolutely. thing about it. About all of it. So, um, now Ben, speaking of which, I think you had a question, and I we're a little over an hour, so I feel like we should maybe kind of wind things down. I believe you had a question about that had to do with with uh, making uh, front office moves. Did you not? Should we we end on that one?
2: Yes, I do. So, uh, Kyle, uh, let's pretend that uh, the DeWitts fired John Mosellock and hired you as the president of baseball operations. Going into next season, the Cardinals have uh, Michaelis and Mats under contract. Okay, which St. Louis Cardinals pitchers who are currently in the system? Do you would you slot into the starting rotation on Opening Day next year, and which would you uh, not slot into the Opening Day rotation and? Uh, if need be, sign a free agent. So, if there are three pitchers that you think are ready to have an opportunity to start in the majors for a team that wants to win uh, the World Series, we can roll with them. If there aren't, why not? You know, just kind of walk us through your thought process on how you would construct the 2024 St. Louis Cardinals starting rotation.
1: The first thing I would do is I would convince Major League Baseball that since I wasn't there for the contracts, neither of the Michaelis or Matt's contract, <laughs> they don't carry over. They uh, they don't deserve to carry over, and I get to start with a fresh slate. And then I just go and I sign whichever five starters that aren't in the ro- the the organization. I, I sign those five guys, and we have a whole new rotation next year. <laughs> that's that's what I would do. No, look, uh, I want to see what what gains the gains at Matthew Libertor, I want to see what those look like at the major league level. Like this is that's the most infuriating thing about the Jake Woodford and all of this, right? Like Jake Woodford pitched really well uh against San Francisco, uh, but it's like you, you kind of owe it to yourself like what are you what are you getting out of having Jake Woodford in the starting rotation when Matthew Libertor is showing showing all of the signs of improvement that you wanted to see him show. Like, get him up here. Let's see what he has. Yeah. Worst case scenario, Adam Wainwright comes back. You do, you're delusional enough to think that he's going to be a front-of-the-line starter, and you send Matthew Libertor back down. Well, you just did it with Jordan Walker, so that's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, like, uh, he, I guess he and Graceffo, I want to see how they continue to develop this year. But for the most part, uh, if the two of them don't continue on their developmental track, if – Matthew Libertor can't keep his velocity if uh, his fastballs are hittable again because he's lost velocity if Gordon Graceffo's four seam stays somewhat hittable and they they continue to kind of minimize his curveball and he's like I would like for them to be aggressive on the free agent market now I don't I'll be honest. I don't know who's a free agent next year. You know, I, Shohei, Shohei Ohtani a lot of fun. And we've heard a lot of a couple other of the the high-end free agents that we all know the Cardinals aren't going to go after because it's just not what they do. Uh, we Like, we know that none of that's going to happen. So I I don't know what mid-range free agents Mr. DeWitt would allow me to sign. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I certainly would find a couple... 32 to 38 year old left-handers that would be willing to take $8 million (laughs) a year contract to uh, supplement this, this starting rotation.
2: Well, Michaelis, and you want to get out of that contract.
1: (laughs) It's 20 mil. I mean, think about how many middling left-handed starters I could get for 20 mil.
0: What, what, what kind of gaslighting have we undergone as Cardinals (laughs) fans that we have accepted miles Michaelis as our, uh you know long-term contract uh number one starting pitcher. Can we just yeah. step back and think about that for a moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those where it was like, oh, so 20 mil for only 20 mil a year for two years? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's 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 do that. What a great deal. It's
2: yeah. it's like uh it's like wayno Light. You know, <laughs> like you can just see the Mosaic's wheels turning like ha ha ha! I'll get him into this, and we'll just be able to go year to year after that for yeah fifteen fifteen million or twenty million whatever. So
0: so so speaking of which, Kyle, you said no, you said uh, you know Libertor and Grisepo, you, you'd give a shot to, which I think is exciting. On uh on Christmas Day, when uh, Adam Wainwright calls you and tells you that he's been out throwing in the yard. And uh, his, his fastball's up to 82, and he thinks he's got one more year left in him. Uh, what, do you, what do you do? Do you negotiate that one-year contract?
1: I laugh at him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I, but I'm also a psychopath. So it's probably I'm probably not the right person to ask. I, what you do is you just hope that he calls you instead of calling Bill DeWitt. Because Bill DeWitt's going to say... Adam is, he's here and he says he's throwing out there. And <laughs> I just think that, uh, you know, the legacy players, they, uh, they're important to this team. And uh, so, yeah, as long as he calls me, we're fine. I, I'll just, you know, I'll pretend like I'm going to reach out to his, his agent. And, and then when he calls me four days later and asks me where it was, I'll say, I don't remember the conversation I've been drinking too much. And that's a believable story and we're all going to be fine now, but you know it all depends on how the season counts but no i, I hope he it. retires jesus
0: christ i love it kyle can we have you on regularly to do bill dewitt because that was really <laughs> quite good I-
1: <laughs>
0: well i as long as you can cut off
1: the physical uh like my facial features because it was it was embarrassing i was i was even <laughs> trying to like do his face uh which is a disaster.
0: Oh man. Well, I wish, I wish I could have seen it. So we'll, uh, we'll try to make it a video episode next time we do that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but no, Hey, we, we appreciate you coming on so much. It's always uh, so much fun to talk with you. Um, you know, I know, you know, Ben and I, we, uh, we, we enjoy the minor leagues we follow the minor leagues to the extent we can but we we have nowhere near the the expertise and and just the, the depth of knowledge that you do so we we just get so much um, out of having you on here and, and just really uh, really enjoy having you and, and honestly we just enjoy chatting with you too
1: oh, i love talking it over with you guys thanks for humoring me this evening
2: yeah uh thanks so much kyle uh for joining us it's always
1: a lot of fun and i look love- forward and hopefully we'll be able to do it again soon. Anytime you guys want. Again, I I love listening. Uh, Thanks for providing this every off day.
0: You guys are the best. Absolutely. And and, uh, listeners, uh, thank you all so much. We will be with you again on the next Cardinals off day. Go Cardinals!